Hello and welcome back to another episode of her Gypsy Soul podcast, The Stories That Bind Us. My name is Jacqueline Van Bierk. I am a singer, songwriter, artist, music composer, and I love people. These past episodes have been about band stories. In particular, my band, Otto's Daughter. I've been talking to my past members uh, and we've been sharing just how we got started and wrote stories uh, about to follow soon. We haven't even got to the point just yet. Um, but I just wanted to let you in because band stories, it's so interesting. Like that is an experience that some musicians might think, oh, you know, we never made it, blah, blah, blah. But there's one thing that nobody can ever take from you and this is an experience and being in a band being on tour is such an amazing experience that i'm so grateful for that i got to live that so with me today is my guest jim robbins my longtime guitar player and partner um we have so much to talk about that this will not be the second and last this is already part two um but this is the second part of the first interview that we've done and there will be more to follow and we figured at the end of the podcast we share a few behind the scenes funny things that this is who we are and what we do when we think we're not on camera, even though we are. With no further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. As always, in the comments below, leave us your comments. Please like and subscribe and share if you like what you heard. And ask us any questions. If you have any questions about the band, about being on tour, about being in a band, um, in the comments below, hit me up and we'll be answering your questions. With no further ado, here is... Jim Robbins part two. And then when we were in El Paso, we got a chance because we were again the only ones who would take walks. We'd be like out in the in the pecan farm. Remember that? Yes. That was that was fantastic. Okay, I do have a gadget story with that. Because I would always go off because it, it wasn't my baby. That that record was you guys. And I came down for the experience and for, for, I guess, support, but it was just a cool band thing to do. The whole band went down. Yeah. But I, was, I didn't have any veto power or anything, so I was like, stay in your lane. This is between Gadget, Jacqueline, and Neil, and Sebastian probably has a couple of words to say here and there, but he probably already talked with Gadget about it. So I was just enjoying the, 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 uh, the entire place, because the Rio Grande was like 400 yards away from us, and um, I, was, I remember... I was walking, I was had my headphones on and I was walking and, and I think you jumped on the back of me. I didn't know, I thought you were in the studio and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he turned around and you're like laughing. And, uh, but another time I was walking and it was turning into sunset and, and Gadget came up behind me on a bicycle. And, <laughs> he said, hey, man, I said, and I was like, hey, what's up? You know, and we're talking for a few seconds then we look over and the sun is just starting to set over the mountain. And, and I think both of us were like, man, that's gorgeous. And then we looked at each other and we were like, we gotta go now. <laughs> he took off on the bike, and I just turned my head the other way and walked away. Like we, we can't have a moment here. We had a moment. We just had a moment. We're like, no, nah, no. <laughs> so funny. That was that was a cool experience. I love that. That that was such a great wrench. I don't remember the guy's name. I don't either. Um, but I all I remember had that we had the best like uh, Spanish food. The guy was like a wine expert. 
And I remember right. he had the most expensive, most tasty freaking wine ever. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't drink wine, so you guys had a good time. But I had Jack in the Box. <laughs> I was like, Jack in the Box. Oh my God, it's so funny. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and then we moved back. And at some point, we, um, I think, exhausted our, we got tired of, well, I, it felt like we were playing the same circuit over and over. In New York and um, you know in the tri-state area that like whatever we could but at some point um, someone mentioned that I should check out LA and so I was like I don't really like LA you know I, everything I hear about it posers blah 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 and I was like all right fuck it I'm gonna go I talked to Gadget about it. I'm like Gadget you know maybe we should go down and just you know be open about it that was at the mp3 times um and mb3.com and uh claudia from luna click actually was one of the people who was like you would be doing so great in la blah 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 and so gadget and i flew out to la and just checked it out and we're like mm, i don't know you know we check up our sinister and all this kind of stuff and and but there was something about it and i was like you know what this band had hit a plateau and and we need to move on and 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 you know where do we go from here? And then we decided, I decided, and then I was like, I want to go and whoever wants to come, of course, Gadget was willing to go. And then you, you know, we, we told all of you, we're like, well, we're going to go and you can stay or leave. That's up to you. We, it's not my, my responsibility. If nothing happens, you know, then I can help you, you know, and you had a really good job. Um, at the phone company that you've been with for a long time. And yeah. that was pretty fucking huge of you because right when I approached you, you were like. <laughs> well, um, I remember when you guys, you said you were going out on a fact-finding mission or something. You were going out to Los Angeles. And I think, I think me, and, me and Dan, I think me and Dan ended up hanging out. We went to go see Carfax that weekend at uh, downtime. Dan and I think, I think we talked about it like, wow, you know, what do you think you're going to do? Because I remember you, we didn't need to answer it immediately. I think you gave us like a month. And I really sat and thought about it for a week. I really, really thought about it for a week and a half. And uh, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do out there. I, don't, I can't, I'm not guaranteed a job out there as a lineman out there. You know, we got to figure this out. You know, I got to, I got to figure this out. And um, I chose to go. Um, no one else chose to go, which I can understand. But at the same time, it was it was a little strange because I really, I really enjoyed the five of us that that we had. I enjoyed Dan and I enjoyed. I loved having. There was a really cool energy with the five of us. It was always funny. It was it was it was serious a lot of the times, but it was it was it was always something dumb that would happen that would just cut any of the problems down to nothing. And again, there wasn't even really any problems, but. You know, we, we practiced seriously. I remember when you say serious, I think we just had a work ethic. You know, we were like, we, we wanted to make sure that yeah. we could play our songs without the sampler, with the sampler, because remember what happened, right? When we when we played stuck at the, at, you know, and we blew everything out and we're like, oh, fuck. I wasn't the, most, there yet. <laughs> the most sample heavy song, the opening song with a huge crowd on a big stage. And here we are, like, 
people at Starbucks like that I'm like well, what are all these people hanging when we first got to LA I was like why are all these people at Starbucks it's like it's it's it looks like it's a bar and then we became those people yeah we became those very people that order these special drinks um because that was <laughs> our thing I mean um so we moved to LA um and and, and funny fact is also I, I think I mentioned that before was Gadget always Sebastian, when you first joined the band, I thought you were way too metal for us. You know, I didn't necessarily yeah. want you in the band. No. And Gadget was like, give the guy another chance. You learned every freaking part. He's a good, he's a good observer, you know. And then and then the more and you didn't have to drive me home at the end either. I had my own car. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. You, you were the, probably one of the first people who had their shit together. Because like either somebody wouldn't have an amp or they wouldn't. They always had a guitar, but or they didn't have transportation. We would drive people back and forth. You know, it was it was pathetic, ridiculous, seriously. And 
you were the first who like knew all the parts, was really responsible and you were really into the band. And and the more you played with us, I was like, oh, I'm starting to dig this. It's like, it's cool. Like, because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was a big Pantera fan and, and I still am. It's actually one of the very few metal bands I really fucking love. And I was mm. like, oh shit, like I really fell in love with that. I'm like, Jim, then I would always tell you like, give me the chugga 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 chugga. <laughs> you like, remember that? I remember, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> You're like, That's what? Hilarious. I'm like, the chugga chugga. <laughs> I also remember the one story, it was that um, you were finishing up, the, I think you and Gadget said that, or, and Sebastian probably at this point, but I, I always went by what Gadget said for the most part. Because you, you would show up, we would be ready for like a half hour before you would show up. And then, uh, so I kind of just knew to go to him, not to bother you, just to go to him. And um, he's like, I think you guys decided, oh, we're going to try and integrate you and Dan into this record because, you know, you guys are, you feel you're the band now. So one night you, we tried to write and we wrote a song, but then you had to have Dan there one night to do something. And I remember hearing, I think Gadget or you told me the story. He's like, yeah, can you play something like what Jim would do? <laughs> I was like, that's not nice. That's not nice at all. I know. You know. Yeah. Dan had his own style, and, and Dan's style was really good, and I knew how to play around Dan's style from playing with my friend Steve. He would play in the high registers, I'd play in the lower registers. So you get a full sound. It worked out pretty well, having two guitar players, for sure. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. We had our moments. Except the one time when Dan played the entire song off-key. Remember that? That was, a, that was a double D's. Oh, I'm like, oh my God. Dan, Dan. And he's, that was, like, he's playing like he doesn't even realize. I'm like, I think that was hell. It was, was that hell? songs that I already had a hard time with. And then he played off key. And I'm like, it was oh hell. my God, it was painful. There were some songs I really wanted to play. Well, I remember when I first came in and one of the parts, like, all right, so we're going to like uh, rehearse Shattered. And they're like, we don't play Shattered. I was like, we used to play it at the very beginning, though. I, I used to love that song. I think it became a matter of because we had, at that point, we had like more songs and we only had so much time to play. So we always had to pick and choose. So, yeah. Was I still doing the blood when you came into the band for a long time? No. Yeah. Because um, you was like the song I always would do the stage blood. And then it was really hard to let that go. I don't think you did the blood. Um, I don't think you did the blood at the time when I got there. You were doing the the um, the sheet, and then the the uh, again it was right after 9/11, so that was that phase of the band. And then one the last show we played from the from that week of playing uh, three shows in um, New Orleans, and then we ended up playing a show in Jersey. Gadget got mad and threw the sticks at the crowd because they were watching the game. <laughs> but you were you were completely gold, which was funny because I think Sebastian was silver, and you were yeah, and that's when I was like, you look here in Cirque du Soleil again for a for a goth band. Um, you didn't look goth to me at that point. Right. You, you right. far more Cirque du Soleil. I mean, the rest of the band looked kind of. No, I can't even say that. Yeah, I think we were just doing our thing at that point. You know, we were not, we were, we were never trying to fit in, and in a way, we we never quite fit in because we were not metal enough to be completely metal. We were not goth enough to be to completely goth. We were not punk enough to be completely punk. We were like a combination. Of, 
Yes. You know, but then when we toured, fast forward, like LA, when we finally had our band that we talk about it way later, probably not in this episode, um, yeah. people always come up to us and tell us how metal we are. And we're like, really? You know, but I mean, I'll be like, cool, thanks. Like, if that's what they think, who am I to argue, right? I mean, they were there. They, they, they rocked out to it and they experienced it. So I never considered myself metal, but I loved... We, we, at the at the very end, we were like a power fucking band because with the lineup we had, and with with the, with all the shows under our belts, we we could have been they could have woken us up at four in the morning, right? We would have gotten on stage and like kicked ass, like because we had it down, yeah. like you automatic, and and in, in a good way. We, we we I wouldn't say automatic, but we I would say like we not like no matter what would happen, we wouldn't know how to deal with it. Something goes out, we we'd find a way to make it happen, you know, to okay. work on it. <laughs> All right, we played uh 2005 when we came we came around with the first incarnation with Rowan G and Mo. And there's a few stories in there. Um we were we were setting up and you had an, a videographer or some somebody that was coming there and you're like, oh yeah, he's gonna plug his stuff over here. I said, Yeah, as long as he knows not to touch my stuff. And we set everything up and we were already used to setting everything up. So everything was, again, it was yeah. getting automatic at that point. Yeah. And um, we were playing the show and I'm like, how come the monitor's not working? Like I couldn't hear the loops, but I could follow G's drum. So I heard the actual drum. So I would just, that's the other thing I would lean down because I could hear the drum under all of the other sound. And um, then whenever we hit the strobe lights, then I hear the monitor. During like useless and stuff, we'd hit the monitor. Yeah, strobe lights, and then the monitor would go on. The guy doing the videographer switched some plugs around, and the monitor only went on when I hit the strobes. And I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then I think we stopped for a second, and I switched the plugs around. I was pissed at that dude, man. That's always shit like that happening. That's when Pete's like, "Hey, you guys, uh, you guys tour with the sound guy?" No, you should. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my God, Pete! I don't need that right now. <laughs> Pete Steele, that's a whole different. You know, um, so when we got to LA, That's we didn't a, have yeah. a full band. It was Gadget, you and me. And yeah. and I remember like we were just fucking around at first. We were just like going out, making friends, you know, socializing, networking. Drinking. Huh? We were drinking then. A lot of drinking, a lot of partying. Well, just parties, like just being part of the kind of scene, right? Trying to feel shit out. And then, and, and also we didn't have a band, so Gad just started working at Guitar Center, making some connections. And um, you and I decided, well, while we don't have a full band, why don't we do an acoustic set at the Rainbow Bar and Grill upstairs? And it's a very iconic place. And that was so cool, right? Remember that? We had like candles, um, nice. like little circle of candles. And we figured like, this is an introduction to Otto's daughter, even though this is not who we are, we're not an acoustic band, but it was, I always loved like stripping it down because it was nice. It was, it was nice to actually hear the, the song, you know, because when you have all that other stuff going on, it's, it's awesome, but there's a lot going on. Um, but when it was stripped down, it's like, that's the proof that the song is actually yeah. a good, decent song, you know, <laughs> a good yeah. song. Which means you see, you have, if you have a good structure that's standing for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a good show. That's actually where I met Garrison. Yeah, then that's where we met Garrison. Um, and that's where we eventually put the band together. You know, we had Garrison and then we had um, 
Yeah, Kenny I, for a while. Huh? Kenny, was, Kenny played the, the whiskey show. The whiskey show. Um, what was our first show in LA besides the the the, the rainbow? Was it the whiskey? I think so. Wait, let me think. Uh, we played somewhere in the valley. We played some coffee house in the valley that didn't have uh, alcohol. Oh, I remember. The stage was like this this high off the ground. Yes, I remember that. that. It was an all ages show. Yeah, it was in uh, Tarzana or something like but that. But that was the first show? I didn't think it was the first show because we did I like- I think so. Yeah? Because we didn't, we didn't, again, you don't want the wheels to fall off in front of everybody. You have to, yeah, you have to yeah. test the show. I think that the Valley show was the test run show. And then we probably played with Luna Click, right? But like we, 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 we kind of, like the big show, like where we had to sell tickets. We, we hooked up with this, I don't remember the name of the company, right? Powder. Huh? Oh, we played with Powder. Oh, no, but I need the name of the company who would book us. M Productions. Them and someone else. And they would... Um, oh, what was his name? Sean Healy. Probably, yeah, it sounds, that sounds right. Um, and, and so we did like a lot of what we didn't know, or we kind of knew already, like LA is all, all about pay to play. And um, so we had to sell tickets and stuff. So we teamed up with a lot of bands and the first few shows we did really amazing. And we, we even like won a ton of awards because we played the Rocky shows. Played the Rockies, yes. Forgot about that. That, that was actually a good show. Didn't Dan play that that night as Empire Hideous? I don't know. Remember Dan came out and played? I don't remember, but I know that like we there were there were like a lot of bands. I don't remember. Like it's been so long, um, but that was cool. Remember, it was like a cool community. Yeah, the, um, the <laughs> funny song story to uh, tie everything together from the old to the new. Um, when we played Don Hills, we played with the Peppermint Creeps. Remember, you were like, "Who are these guys that look like Kiss?" And then. The first show we played was at that girl's house and the Peppermint Creeps were playing right after us in her living room. And we were like, we played with you guys in Don Hills. Oh my God, I forgot the about drummer, that. The, I remember the band because of the drummer. The drummer was always popping us. I know. He's a that huge was, Cruz fan. That was so cool. He passed away too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. long time ago. He oh died my. on the road. I forgot about that band. I, I, not that band, but like that show with the girl in a house. That's right. The Peppermint Creeps and we played there. <laughs> Shit. I like oh. the Peppermint Creeps. They were, they were fun. They were like a fun group of- a Great band. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They looked glam, but they were punk rock. They were punk rock. There was like a, a really interesting Ophelia Rising. You played with them a couple times. <laughs> And uh, there was like, well, it was a, a bunch of us that played like Bar Sinister, you know, um, a couple of times. It, we did really well at first in LA. You know, we, we had a really good following. Um, nice. And and <laughs> at the time, you know, there was still like the lineup was Gadget and then Gadget eventually left. Um, he left in 2005. Or probably sooner. The last show we played with him was at the, was at the Hard Rock Cafe. In, Hard Rock uh, Cafe, I think. I think the Hard Rock Cafe. Universal City? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and then there's a whole new chapter starting with Otto's Daughter. That was 
then. Do we, do, huh? do we even go? Do we even do that, or do that next time? I think we do that next time because it's it's okay. there's so much to talk about the touring and all the stories on the road. Oh my God, we have yeah. much to talk about. <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. The New York, I've been blessed to play with a lot of really great people, and that the New York Auto Door, not nothing taken away from the LA one. The New York Auto Door was really that was really really cool. I really, really enjoyed that. And I, I learned so much in that period of time. You, know, you guys were like, you were like, well, you gotta be entertaining. I was like, I don't know how to be entertaining. Again, I had stage fright. I wouldn't even tell anybody I had stage fright. I was just like, I just put my hair in front of my face. No one sees me, you know, like a dog in a thunderstorm. I stick my hand in the closet. No one will see me. I won't get hit with lightning. And um, yeah, but I mean, I got over that in uh from size seminars. Remember that? Yeah, there's this a bunch of other things I'd like to hear what Dan would have to say to get home. Dan, I know Sebastian has uh, more things to say. Absolutely. We got almost everything. Oh, we did? Oh yeah, I'm looking at it. Vocals are auto-tuned. Your vocals in the first two records almost always just short of, again, you were lilting. I was always, I, I'm naturally a flat singer. Mm -hmm. So I, I always had to, um, and, and it was like years of vocal training. And then eventually um, when I became an, my own a coach myself, but it, it took me a long time to realize that first of all. And I think my, one of my best vocal coaches, um, what was his name? Oh my God, in LA. James Lugo. James Lugo. He was amazing. And he was the guy who told me, he's like, you know what? You're just always slightly flat. And that's, and he was the, he, I had a lot of vocal training, but he was the one who was the icing on the cake, who, who really filled in all the holes. You know, there were like always things that I couldn't quite figure out. And, mm -hmm. he, and he gave me that power. He was like, yes, he, he pushed me. He pushed me a lot. Cause he was, I think, and not to diminish any, female vocal coaches i am a vocal coach myself um but male a male coach i think it's important to have both because the male coach he had a different approach um and and he because a lot of female vocal coaches um talk about gentle and you know be gentle with your voice but he yeah. was like no you're a fucking rock chick you know you could be touring with porn tomorrow what are you going to do you can't be gentle there's no gentle, you know, how are you going to be gentle on stage? How are you going to rest your voice when you have nine days in a row of, of, of shows, you know? Because I was always told like, oh yeah, you know, rest the day before the show and all that kind of stuff. And I was always, you remember, I was always really, you know, protective of it, which is, of course you have to be, but he taught me to like, no, you got to, you got to roughen up your, your voice so that you, you yeah. know, it can. And then, you know, we did like the nine days and then I got a horse. But the, there was a different story besides the band. But, but, but the PBR helped your voice some. And the PBR, I was so against PBR. I'm like, I would never drink that chicken. Colorado? <laughs> it was in Denver. Yeah. Uh, Lugo, um, I remember how you said your other vocal coach was treated your, your voice like it was fragile, whereas James Lugo was saying, your voice is a muscle. You have to work it so it gets stronger and stronger. And once he said that, and you know, I I was hearing it, and then that's when that's the other thing. Uh, I knew you for three months when I tried out, 
before I realized you were shorter than you are because you always had those platform boots on. I know. What do you like? When we were writing that song. You took you took the boots off. I was like, oh shit, you're short. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what do you mean? I, go, I always thought you were this much taller. <laughs> that was hilarious. I always have my tall boots on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it just, I, I never, um, and all the other coaches I had, I mean, the one coach I had for a long time in New York, she was amazing. And she really, Inewa. you know, Inewa, and she opened me up. She was like really amazing. But then James was the one who, who, who helped me get the rock and roll into my voice and to, to open me up, you know? Right. He was complimentary to her. She was the yin and yeah. And which made you what you know, then you could turn it on if you had to, and you were fine. Exactly, perfect, perfect analysis, like, um, analogy, whatever you say. <laughs> I feel like I'm really blessed that that everything happened that happened because you helped totally change the sound of, of Otto's daughter to, to where I always wanted to subconsciously. At, at first, I didn't even know where I wanted to go, you know, um, because we were just doing whatever but then when you joined and i was like oh my god like i love metallica jim is so metallica <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i had to figure out what kind of makeup to put on that was... <laughs> and then i'm trying to make it like a goth boy you know um yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to do like a wrestling thing <laughs> people just fucking loved you and and they loved i love i and it was also great to see you go from um being really shy and not very, you, you, you were really like always, what's the word? Um, scared. <laughs> not just scared, but not confident. You were always saying that you're not good and this and that, you know? And so I, I loved when I watched you going from, you, you, were, you didn't know who you were on stage at first, but then at the end you had your shit down where that's who you were and you were this fucking rock god that everybody just kind of wanted to be, you know? I yes, really you are. You're, you're fucking here. I really and say you're that. fucking slamming the guitar and bleeding. And it was just so cool. <laughs> I mean, how you would always say you, you, you love watching me. Sometimes you would fuck up because you were watching me. Remember that? <laughs> that I think, yeah, I think that was like the first five, five or six months, not even five or six shows. The first <laughs> months, I'd be like, fuck is she? Oh, fuck, I fucked up. <laughs> Like what? And it's fucking yeah, it's amazing. But that's how, that's how I felt about you. I was like, I love what he's doing. I want to watch it, but I gotta perform. You know, like I don't know. The first time I ever bled playing guitar was at the Blade Show at um, ironically at the um, at Webster Hall when we were playing. Yeah. Remember the one that they they had one speaker. I heard everything fine because we were in the front. And we heard the monitors. And I was just trying to be entertaining. And it was the weirdest stage I played on because it was a runway. Was like I love because I was running, yeah. I, I love the runway. <laughs> I was like, and I was trying to stay out of your way, stay out of Sebastian's way. Um, Dan, I think, just stayed back there the whole time. And uh, I was just trying to play so hard and be so entertaining because I didn't know what to do. And at the end of the show, I'm like, blow over my guitar. What the fuck happened? And I look at my hand, I'm like, oh. And then that became a thing that I was just bleeding all the time. Which probably isn't healthy for a long tour. <laughs> Works for Carlton. <laughs> Carlton oh yeah, well that that was the, <laughs> that's a whole other fucking episode. Never mind. <laughs> Carlton's awesome. He's the best. <laughs> but yeah. it, it, it was just—I mean, 
it, it was just funny to see, like, because at the beginning I always laughed because you're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just stand here? I, there's no, nothing for me to do. I'm like, just fucking entertain the crowd. Stand to the crowd. You're like, no, I'm not going to do Garrison that. did that. Garrison was perfect at that. He'd stare you down. I would actually just sit there with my head down and check my tuning. <laughs> just check my tuning. Off to the song. Check my tuning. Check my tuning. I don't want to look at it. people looking at me. So to wrap up this episode, and I mean, now we're getting just warmed up, I feel, but what's your funniest gadget story, your funniest Dan story, your funniest Sebastian story? All right. Oh, um, the, the, uh, the sun, watching the sunset with Gadget was pretty awkward and funny. <laughs> Actually, Gadget was a very funny guy. He He's was cerebral, but yeah, you had to like it was again Monty Python humor where you had to you had to think. He wasn't giving you potty humor. He was giving you shit that like you you had to pull references. He's very <laughs> subtle. Like <laughs> he just throws it in there. Um. Jeez, oh, there's so many things. Um. Every gadget, just oh, my favorite gadget story is from the Los Angeles. It's one of my favorite stories ever in my entire life. He said one of the funniest things I ever said in my life. Uh, we had Chimpo at the time playing bass, and Gadget and Chimpo spoke the same language. They were from the pro audio section of, of uh, music industry, so everything that Gadget was always doing, Chimpo knew. So the two of them instantly jailed because they spoke the same language and nomenclature. Um, so we were putting together. Two more light boxes. Because remember, not, one light box wasn't enough in Los Angeles. We had to make one that could garrison you and for yeah, <laughs> and one for me. And yeah. even then, we, him and I tread lightly on it. And I don't even think he could stand on his. But um, we were putting it. We were wiring up the wire, uh, the light box, and, and it was me, Gadget, and Chimpo. And Gadget's busy doing wiring, so he's talking but not paying attention for impact or anything. He's just talking. So something came up, and uh, Chimpo's a Scientologist. So Gadget's like, you're a Scientologist? Chimpo's like, yeah, I'm a Scientologist. Gadget's like, you must get some sweet hit points for that. And that's a Dungeons and Dragons reference, which means you had to be a geek to get the joke. But the joke is fucking, I, I laughed right in his face. Gadget had like a little snicker, looked up at me, a little snicker, went back to Briary. Chimpo was, that's the only time I ever saw Chimpo like, get caught off guard and actually get like upset. <laughs> and, yeah, and Gadget just yeah, must have some sweet hit points on that. Just like that, I, I I think I got up and I left. I was like, I can't even be in the same room as Chimpo because it's uncomfortable for me because I left. Like, <laughs> but that that was that was Gadget. You had to get you had <laughs> books to get some of his humor. You had to. He was a very intelligent guy. Um, yeah. Dan stories. <laughs> There's a few. Uh, <laughs> it's always him talking. No, it's not always him talking. <laughs> coming back from, we were going to, no, we were coming back from Boston. We, we played a, we played with the Queens, Kings of Queens and Kings. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. They were a great band. Oh, my God. Kings, Kings and Queens? The Kings and Queens? All the Queens men? All the Queens men, yes. Something like that. But, but the girl had the, uh, had the uh, Brian May guitar, I remember, and she was a really good guitar player. But we played with them in Boston, and we were coming back, and that's the same time, that's when you'd find out Al Drools. But um, Dan was talking, and Gadget was in, Gadget was co-pilot, 
you were sleeping, Sebastian was sleeping, Dan was sitting right behind us, and he was talking. And me and Gadget at this point just somehow magically tuned him out. And it was getting late, like it was starting to turn blue, like the sun was starting to want to come up soon. And I'm driving and Dan was talking. And then Dan was talking. And I think Gadget and I looked over because something changed. And Dan was like this, and he's about to fall asleep. And he's like, and it's not my mom. Not my mom. He's talking. He talked himself to sleep. <laughs> I think I think it was Gadget. Had to be Gadget. It's co-pilot. <laughs> what the fuck? He talked himself to sleep. <laughs> but he was his mouth was still moving while he was sleeping. He's like, it's not And then the other time we played, uh, one of the last shows we played, Dan designed his own outfit near the end. He would be designing stuff. He made, and he made his own shirt. And I was like, where'd you get that shirt? Because I made it. And I was like, that was really cool. And he had the makeup on, and he had his hair spiked up, and he had other things hanging from He looked really good. Yeah. And um, we played the show at the downtime, and again, it's the downtime. And um, when we were done, I, I think I put a hoodie on. I had like a, a like a, a regular surfer hoodie, and I didn't I didn't look like I even belonged in the club at that point. And you, I think you wiped most of your makeup off, wiping the sweat off your face. And we was we were talking to some people and stuff, and Dan was right next to us. And these people come up, you guys were great. And I have a hoodie on. I don't look like I was. I look I look like I walked in to see if someone wanted pizza. And uh, you, you guys were great. Look at that. And he walked away. And Dan's like, right here. Right here, I'm wearing my stage uniform. Nobody knows. What? What? No one sees me. I'm like, I'm Dan. I don't want to tell you. And I walked away. I didn't want to laugh in his face either. But um, that was the strangest thing. No one ever saw him. Like he he he'd walk off stage with us, and nobody would have, or hardly ever, somebody would approach him. I don't know why. I, I don't know. Maybe he had, I, I. I don't know. I thought he had a, a. He has a good presence on stage. To I me. think so. Yeah, he was great. Maybe once in a while. Yeah, and, and, and he had a quick look to begin with. He always took care. He always yeah. dressed apart. You know, it was weird. Yeah, it was a good balance. If you, he fit in way better with you four than I did. Yeah, absolutely. I look like odd man out most of the time, and I tried to do what I could to make something work. But right. um, um, the Sebastian story again. This is this is kind of the precursor with the uh, with the lighting pyro thing too. We'd always open with stuck when I when I first joined with you guys. You'd stuck, and it has this long intro which gives, for some reason, we have to say something to each other before it starts. I don't know why, but, you know, that's when, you know, so I walked over, and it was with this fucking gothic Gilligan hat he had on Grape Street, which was the same night we, we damaged the trailer. I damaged the trailer. The, uh, you guys were talking to him, like, you can't wear that hat. It doesn't look good. It looks stupid. It's like, you look like, you look like wearing a fisherman's hat, and it was black, so it looked like Gilligan's hat, but gothic. And he's like, oh, I like this hat. So we go up on stage and you don't, we start and you come on stage in time to sing. So you're not even in the room. We're starting in here. And I have the click in my ear. So I'm here and I'm keeping count. And I look over and we had a little powwow, me, Gadget, and, and um, Sebastian at Grape Street. And Sebastian's got a hat on. And I look over at Gadget and I look over at him and I think, Gadget's like, I thought we decided you're not wearing that hat. I was like, I, I heard that. And he's like, 
I decided you can all go fuck yourself. Two, three, four, and then the soul kicks. So we were, I was like, what? Oh, okay, let's just start the show. What the fuck just happened? I was like, this is going to be an interesting band right after this show. <laughs> and, um, and as far as the, uh, the infamous uh, trailer at the Philadelphia Zoo thing, we were leaving Grape Street. We played with Carfax, as always. And um, we were heading to Pittsburgh. Um, I think I took a turn too, too close and broke and popped the sidewall on one of the tires on the trailer on the curb. We didn't really know. We were like, did we hit something? I don't think so. Everything's okay. No cars in the way. All right, let's go. So we go on the highway, and Gadget notices the tire smoking. It's like, Jim, the tire smoking. I look in the rearview mirror, and I, I kind of, I'm looking, and I kind of see something, but not really. I'm like, I right, just, you know, this is how I remember it. Just keep an eye on it, you know. And then you, he says to everybody else, "Hey, the tire smoking," and you guys are like, "Oh, you worry, wart." And da 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 da. And I'm like. I will take a look at it, and then the tire goes on fire. <laughs> Jim's tire's on fire now. I said, all right, listen, I, I ha this happened at work with the trailer at work. I'll take the next exit, and we'll pull over, and we'll call AAA. I remember specifically saying, don't worry about it. I got it. We're just going to get up to the next exit. Now, I don't know if it was like a super long exit between this or, or someone didn't let me off or something, but then the tire was gone, and we were getting sparks, and by that time, we got onto the uh, off-ramp, and that's when the axle just died. And then I was basically plowing the street right up to the front of the Philadelphia Zoo. And um, you guys were like, we, you know, we have a photo shoot with Kyle Cassidy. I'm like, that ain't happening. You know, um, and Gat just like, listen, call Kyle, pick you guys up, and we'll wait. It's going to be an hour, two hours. So we go and wait. And I had a, I had a green plaid blanket, like a flannel blanket that I always leave in the back of the van. And um, I put it around me and I stood on top of the trail and I was doing Braveheart and dumb shit like that. But only Gadget and Dan was there to see it. And then Dan's like, I'm tired. And we're like, just have them come and get you and me and Gadget will leave. So that's that's that story. But, but uh, yeah, that's a pretty good uh, Gadget story. But this, my favorite one is the one out in... Uh, in Los Angeles. Again, he, he's, a, he's done a lot of funny things, but it's mostly like he says, you got to be there. Yeah, yeah, there were so many things where you had to be there, but I, I will say we were like a funny bunch. And I mean, I, I would say almost every, 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 every lineup we had, for the most part, it was a funny bunch of people, um, but that was really, Dan was hilarious because, and the funniest thing about Dan was that he was trying to be funny. You know, there's certain people, they try to be, <laughs> but then some people are just like, you just can't help but laugh and you have to be careful because you don't, yeah. you don't mean it in an insulting way, just like, you're fucking funny. <laughs> you know, you don't know it, but you are. He's like, what did you know? <laughs> like, well, yeah, his reactions to life was what made it funny. <laughs> and that was really funny that you guys had to like wait and then we did a freaking photo shoot with Kyle Cassidy. Oh. Um, but you know, we had to do what we had to do, right? And, yes. uh, and, and, and for our whole lifespan in Otto's Daughter, we hardly ever had any breakdowns. That was probably one. No, of we've them. been blessed. We've been blessed. We've been super blessed. We never had, and we've done a lot of no breakdowns. No, nothing stolen. Mm -hmm. we've no, been... no one hurt. Yeah, we've been super blessed. I also have another funny story about uh, Pennsylvania. 
Remember we played Pittsburgh and we played that girl, that girl power show or whatever the fuck it was. I ha- I hardly made it because I was right. I had to go from finishing my makeup to straight to to, to stage. I had this purple yes. thing on with the flower. Yeah. yeah. But we were playing and um, we were playing matching ball. And I looked down and there's a girl whipping another girl on, on all fours. I'm like, oh, that poor girl. And the lights were coming out from, it was like a, the Jamie's Got a Gun video where the lights, all the lights from the show were coming from the floor. So it was a really cool look. And um, I looked down again and I was like, oh, she's whipping a nun. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I looked down again, the nun is a dude. And I'm like, boy, my guitar teacher, is, this is not what he expected when he was teaching me how to play G and C. And he's like, <laughs> playing next to a guy getting whipped in a non-outfit by a girl in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was like, Ralph would be really mad right now if he heard this. <laughs> it was a bunch of shit. And we played, um, we play, whenever we would play Showgirl, you would spin around. And then as you would spin around, you forgot where to come in. And then oh. you would start at the wrong time and the rest of the band were just looking at each other like don't change don't change don't change just stay where you are let her do her thing just stay where you are the tracks are going to stop when the tracks stop <laughs> i would fuck that song up so often because i'd pull girls on stage and i would just do my thing but but we were like so i would just know i like i'll just do my thing i'm like okay as long as the guys know where they are it's okay because I, then i'll just do my thing and I know, I think Dan or somebody like tried to follow me and then you were like, don't ever follow her. Like, just, you know, do your thing. I think the only time we all got thrown off was when we played with, um, when we toured with our drummer, Mike, <laughs> who, who threw us all off so much that we looked at each other and we're like, I don't know where the fuck I am in this song. Remember that? And we started over. Kansas City. That was it. Yeah, we were on tour with 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 uh with another band or was it uh, no we were on tour with I am Demure and we were um and and yeah we opened up and, and that's when Rattan said, Oh, I thought you meant to do that. That was not rehearsed. I'm like, no, we were seriously lost in the song. We had to start over because I was Robbie. I was a Robbie. It was Robbie so, oh my god, it was like so bad that we were like you even said, I, I looked at you and I'm like, and you're like, me neither. I'm like, stop the song to the drummer. Stop the song. Let's start over. And then we told him. But he stopped it perfectly. Yeah. He stopped like we meant to stop it. I, I do remember that because Garrison, that was the last time we played with Garrison. That was, Garrison was always on point. Garrison never fucked up. Never. Right. That is actually true. Yeah. But uh, that was Robbie. Now we fucked up. We have a couple of horrible drummers. This is going to probably be for next time, too. There was the dude who looked like Johnny Depp. Oh, my God. I forgot all about him. That's when it was me, you, Cash, and then Carlton came up. And Carlton's like, he, he was going to play uh, Get Up. He's going to play yeah. Get Up. And we're like, Carlton, come to practice and we'll play Get Up. He's like, I don't need to come to practice. And you and I were like, well, Carlton is a professional. He don't need to come to practice. Carlton fucked it up all over the place. And afterwards, we went upstairs to Roxy. Everyone went up to the dressing room, and he's like, yeah, I think next time I'm really going to have to practice with you guys. <laughs> and your mother's like, he's dead. What's wrong with him? He's dead. 
well he was also hanging out and like drinking and stuff so he was probably just like you know but yeah it was it was your mom never saw a goth guy before oh my god oh my mom that was what my mom oh my god she was frightened by carlton she's like i'm scared of the guy and i'm like mom what there's nothing to be scared of like that's the nicest guy in california (laughs) oh my god she was and then she stole his belt remember and she was like dancing around she was hilarious. No, I, yeah. I Thank God I don't remember. <laughs> my, my mom had a few too many. And then she was like, yeah, and I'm like, give him his belt back. And then he came home with us. We, we hung out afterwards. And then uh, she was not as scared anymore because he was now house. But <laughs> that was just, oh, my God. But yeah. Nice but, but that was like one of the times where we had to kind of stop the song. Because like, I mean, I stopped the song a few times, actually, like throughout our years. Um, and it's always fun. The crowd loves that. The crowd loves when you just admit that something is completely wrong and you have to start over. That's why I told everybody I didn't play. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it's funny now, but I was so mad at you. I'm like, don't fucking tell that anybody. Damn, they, I don't want them to know. And you're like, whoa, it's true. And I'm like, I don't care if it's true or not. <laughs> I got a good Carfax Abby story too. What's that? The second time we went down in New Orleans, we went with Carfax. Remember? Yeah, I remember that. So we're walking to the Crowbar? Was it the Crowbar? It was on the second floor in the French Quarter. And we were all walking together. And then uh, I was walking with Gary. With Gary. No, I wasn't wasn't with John. John John was with the rest of his band. And for some reason, I was talking to Gary, and Gary's like, Man, we can, where can we get a drink around here? I said, oh, I know where we can go. So him and I walked over to Pat O'Brien's. And it had the, it had the beer garden, the open air in the middle. So it had a fountain. And me and him walked in. And I looked like me. Well, I looked like me then. And Gary had short black hair. So Gary looked like a regular dude. So we walked in and we ordered two drinks. And then Gary's like, yeah, I've got to finish this. You know, John's going to be on my ass or some shit like that. And we're drinking, and he orders another drink. And just as he gets his other drink, for some reason I look back, and all of you guys walked in, and you see John's head like a goth shark just parting through the college crowd. And all of you guys are coming in, and Gary's like, oh, shit, shotguns his drink, looks over, grabs mine, shotguns mine. <laughs> and John's like, what did I tell you? Come on, Gary, we got to get out of here. <laughs> Gary's like, I don't know, just stop for a beer. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, man, just stop for a beer. <laughs> And then the other time we, we were sitting down the day of the show, we were sitting down, we all went to a uh, restaurant to get something to eat. Remember that? It was like 15 of us at the table. Where? In New Orleans? In, yeah, in New Orleans, in, in, a, uh, in a little like restaurant type of thing in the quarter. We all sat down, they put the t- tables together and everything, and we're all sitting there like, yes, yeah, it's going to be great. But it was like taking 10 minutes. They didn't even come and ask us what we want. And Dad was like, we got to go. We got to play. We got to go. <laughs> so, so we're all sitting there reading the menu. Like, this sounds good. God's just like, no, come on. We got to go. So we had to get up and leave. And they got up and left. And John's like, are we really not going to eat here? <laughs> we all of us got back up and we all walked out. And then I heard they were like, they were telling all that their friends are like, you were in New Orleans. Where did you go to eat? And they're like, we ate a gas station because we couldn't sit down and eat. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh man, I was so I was so angry for them. I was like, oh, I'm I'm here. I love New Orleans. I'll always come back just to get something to eat. Right. But, uh, 
I, I don't know. But that was so much fun playing with those guys, man. Yeah. Love that. Because you and Gary, it was like watching you and then you watch Gary. And it was almost like you guys, without trying, you were trying to like one up each other. It was always interesting to watch. And I was always trying to aspire to get to that level that they were at as far as intensity, because they were ridiculously intense. We weren't writing like that, though. But I wanted to be that at that level and you guys were always like calm down man different bands you, yeah you always compared like i never saw that i mean it was funny because gary would someone say like oh you know you you kicked my ass i'm like what like i it's funny like you've been always a bit competitive like with always. that and and for me it's always been like you know every i don't know every band has their own thing and 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 we had definitely our own power kind of it became more power later on uh, but we had our intense theatrical thing and then Gary is super intense you know so they had their thing and that's why I love playing with that's the one thing too like I always love playing with bands that are as good as us if not better because I always feel that it, at least from where I'm standing what I'm seeing as you know I wanted to always play with like professional bands who are like got their shit together they're like they know how to put on a show and they want to put on a show versus just a band that it's just not, you know, like they don't have the shit together and they, they just right. like have an attitude, you know, like, <clears throat> and then, and Carfax, they didn't have that. They didn't have an attitude. They were just like super cool and super awesome. You know, they had a great music. Yeah. So that, that's one of the things I think we, we, that was our thing, right? Like, yeah. Well, that's, that's the competition thing as far as what always drove me. It was like that in every band I've ever been in. It's like, I always wanted to be the worst person in the band, worst musician in the band. And not because I suck, but because I, I want to be with people who are that good that make you better. Absolutely. With bands like Carfax, um, bands like uh, The Dreaming. Uh, who are other bands that are just like completely off the chain? I'm trying to think now. But well, there, there sure. were, I think we have a one. They were really good too. And then, and then of course you want you want to go there celtic frost was freaking amazing i know but that again that's not that's apples and oranges those guys are amazing those are incredible negative you know life that i play with them that's a bucket list thing that i didn't even know was on my bucket list yeah yeah it's like saying oh the beatles are together you know and, and, well not but right band's not ever getting together again they got together again what we're playing with them holy shit so but um, yeah, always to be that. And the other thing was always like the way I look at things, which is horrible, I guess. But three bands are playing that night. Everybody only has $100 in their pocket. I want to be the band that gets everybody's money out of their pocket. I want to be good enough for you to go into your pocket and part with $30, $40. And I want to be better than that band that could take that $30, $40. It's a horrible way to go about it, but that's how you get good. Well, I think if you, if all bands are really good, you people will spend money on everybody. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And and I also love what what was really the coolest thing, and we're gonna talk about the next time. But the coolest thing about playing with there's so many cool things about playing with Typo. But one of the cool things about playing with Typo was when we had to raise our prices. You know, we didn't mean to, but they made us. And I was I like, yeah. And, and I was like, and I mean, our, our shirts were not cheaper to sell more. That was just our price. And then 
we sold, that was the most we ever sold, which is yeah. like amazing. Cause I'm like, oh wow, they made us raise our price to match theirs and which is awesome. And then people actually bought it. And that made me realize, you know, to value yourself more, um, which maybe sometimes we were like, we are really nice people. Unfortunately, we're like, we are very blunt that we, we definitely have that in common. I'm German, you're from Brooklyn. We are very blunt people. Um, you, you're more so than me. I, I think I have a bit more tact than you do <laughs> at times. I have, I have tact, I just choose not to use it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and But that's just who you are and that's how I am. But I think we were always really kind and nice people. So when somebody didn't have money, even if they had money, we would sometimes give them a shirt or give them a CD for free. And I was yeah. like, ah. but then I was like, God, I got to stop doing that. You know, <laughs> that's not how you run the business. But um, we were not always good at that, you know, but because we were just, we just wanted people to like have the best experience and, you know, exactly. you know, and, and give them something because we love giving and, um it's not always just about the money you know if a kid is like really into you and they just don't have it um then we were like never saying oh you can't have it you know exactly. yeah you know so it's i don't regret that but i was like oh we gotta stop kind of doing that you know because <laughs> everybody could come up to us and say i don't have any money you know i'd be like okay you know next thing you know is all our shirts are empty like Ah, we just gave them all away because they don't have any money. And then we spent like all the money on someone else. <laughs> it's like, ah. you know, it's a, it's a fine line between being business smart and being still nice and kind and, you know, doing right. it right. But I think that's also one of the things we've always done. And you've always been great at just like really nurturing the fans and, and spending quality time with the fans, you know? That yeah, that was, that was a fun part. part. Yeah, that was always fun. I, I was always blown away. I don't know what show that was, um, but there was like one time where somebody bought everything we had. Remember that? I mean, they bought everything. Every CD, every T-shirt. I don't remember where that was. In some, it was Detroit. Maybe it was like... the oh, tutus. The, yeah, I was selling tutus. But there, maybe, yeah, I think so. And I was blown away by that. This person bought everything. He's like, what else you got? I know, that's where we got our tattoos. That's where we got the tattoos. Dude. My birthday. Yes. Was it your birthday? Yeah, it was my birthday. Yeah. And then the next day we had to play Tybee Island, Georgia. And I had to drive from Detroit to, to Tybee Island. And I think I had like six monsters. By that time I was drinking that monster energy drink stuff. How long did it take to go there? I want to say like 15, 16 hours. And that's where we slept on the beach. Right. And uh Ooh, was it? I think it was. I love that place. That's where we people outside watched the show, the Russians watched, they walked the outside. Four Russian, four Russian girls. They couldn't come in or something. Vampire Diaries. The what? The four Russian girls knew about us from the Vampire Diaries. Oh, that's right. And that's all like LA times when we hit the road and we were touring. <laughs> you, you are the fucking guy that I always had to force you to go anywhere. Jim, let's go there. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then I'm, I'm like in the corner being bored and you were like, blah, 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 talking to everybody. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? He didn't want to go. LA, like, <laughs> LA did that to me. LA taught me to do everything I can do now. Doing the NAMM show for a decade. And, and Guitar Center, I think that's... Guitar Center and yeah. Wagner and Schechter. You come a long way, mister. 
Yeah, well, I can set my hand. <laughs> and you can set your hand. That's freaking awesome. Ah, uh, yeah, but I don't have that much time editing because I, I need to finish the music video. But it's almost. <laughs> get the food, the pretzels out of my beer. There you go. There you go. <laughs> One more time. I'm not going to even say goodbye anymore. You already said goodbye a half hour ago, 40 minutes ago. Exactly. <laughs> oh, we got to say goodbye one more time. This is it. This is it. We're okay. going to do it. Until next time. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Talk to you later. <laughs> I want to get this real quick. I want to get this real quick. Record it. Go ahead, record it. Put your hood on, hit play, and we'll just both sit there like this. Show me your sleeves. Obviously. <laughs> stop. That's why I have to put them halfway. I got these monkey arms. Oh my god! So now put the put the play, and then we'll just both sit there like this. I am recording. It's recording. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Ready? Our new music video. The shawl. It's about the shawl. Get the shot. Get the shot. <laughs> Hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Mendez, <laughs> Definitely put that in my corner. Oh, I'll wear a Brian shirt with the shawl next time. Actually, I just want. What? Don't matter your gender. Don't matter your race. Don't matter your size. It's perfectly embrace the shawl. <laughs> JBB. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> thank you
<laughs> no problem. It's a cheap plug for the show. <laughs> you have learned how to put on a show. You're a showman. No choice. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I know you have a lot of other things to choose from and for you to take the time out of your busy schedule um, by having all these other options, stick, staying here with us and listening to our conversation. I really highly appreciate that. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, please hit the like button and please share it with your friends if you got something out of it. Also, don't be afraid to reach out to my guests and uh, I will talk to you next week and as always, you're going to hear a track of mine at the end of this and you're going to purchose my music at autosdaughter.com or jacquelinebarnbeard.com and you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm all over the place and I would love to connect with you. Thank you for listening and you have an amazing, fantastic evening, day, morning, week, year, life. Love you.